Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick. Thank you once again for tuning in to Dinger Derby. We're going to dive right in and recap this San Diego State two-game midweek series, and then we'll preview the Wichita State Shockers before they head into Lubbock for a weekend series with our Red Raiders. So as you know, we put a bad Frisco series behind us after a canceled game on Sunday and miserable weather. As Coach Tadlock said, that game was colded out on Sunday. They headed to San Diego, California in beautiful weather to face off with the San Diego State Aztecs at Tony Gwynn Stadium. They were in front of raucous crowds of 400 and then 169 on Wednesday. The Wednesday weather was a little bit chillier. It started with some spitting rain, and Tuesday evening actually finished with a little bit of spitting rain as well. But things were pretty tight with San Diego State on the Tuesday night game. They were tied at one going into the sixth inning, and then Tech took the lead on a Dylan Noisy RBI double. In the seventh, Tech tallied four consecutive base hits. That's something they haven't done since last year's College World Series win against Florida in the first game there. Cody Masters started the scoring in the seventh with an RBI single up the middle, and that was followed by a Brian Klein RBI single to center field. And then Noisy came back again, had an RBI single to second base that was followed by an E4 that advanced runners. So all in all, Tech tallied 13 hits on the day, and they logged no errors. That was definitely a welcome change on the road after a showing in Frisco that was almost as bad as the weather. So on the day on Tuesday, Brian Klein finished 3-for-4 with a walk and two RBI. Noisy went 2-for-5 with two walks and two RBI. Josh Young, 2-for-4 with an RBI and a run scored. Cody Masters, who got the start in left field. Noisy started in center, and Gabe Holt started in right. Tanner O'Trimble was your DH on the day. So a little bit of a different look here in the midweek, giving Masters some opportunities. Cody Masters had surgery last year, and there were questions about how early he would be ready. So now we're starting to see a little bit more of him. He has fantastic speed. If his bat's working, you got to think that he's a guy that Tim Tadlock wants in the lineup. Early in the season, he talked about Masters being more ready than Max Marshock for a center field or outfield spot just based on experience, reading the ball off the bat, things of that nature. So Bryce Bonin got the start for the Red Raiders on Tuesday, as he did in the midweek game last week against New Mexico State. He went four innings pitched. He allowed three hits, one run. He had six walks and a hit by pitch but it had four strikeouts. He worked his way out of a lot of trouble. So you see those walks, but they didn't translate into a bunch of runs. Credit to Matt Gardner and Tim Tadlock for letting him work through adversity and work his way out of trouble. That's going to be important for him going forward. I definitely think Bonin is a guy that's going to make moves towards weekend starter. His velocity was fantastic. He was bumping 96 throughout his time pitching. I think he's a solid guy. He's going to continue to learn and grow under this coaching staff, and I think you'll have an opportunity to see him on the weekends. Micah Dallas came in in relief as well. He went two innings pitched. He allowed one hit, no runs, one walk, and he fanned five batters. Now, he was impressive, just flat out. Micah Dallas is fun to watch or listen to on the radio, as was the case with these games. I really think you will see him later in the season 
in a weekend starter role. I think that this is something now he's getting experience. Remember, he's a freshman. He's getting experience. He's learning the ropes. He's getting used to some adversity and working his way out of it, getting used to some of the situations he's put in. But I think he's a guy that Tim Tadlock likes a lot and that once he's grown up, this experience is going to pay off a little bit. And I think that may come later in the season. I said he had five strikeouts in this game. He actually fanned five of his first seven batters that he faced. He's actually struck out 10 of the 18 batters he's faced this season. So that is definitely something impressive to see. That's somebody that's showing a lot of command and control and that's really putting the ball where he wants to, has these batters figured out. Dane Haveman also continues to impress, especially against lefties. He's got a team-leading Seventh appearance on this Tuesday night game. I believe he came in again on Wednesday. So you saw him in his team leading eighth appearance. Six of his seven appearances have been scoreless outings up through Tuesday. So I really like Haveman's arm slot. He just comes in. He, he kind of reminds you a little bit of Jacob Patterson. That's something that Mike Gustafson was talking about on the radio call. Just somebody that kind of flailing around a little bit almost. He has an unusual delivery. His arm slot's a little bit lower, so it's just a different look. He's a big-bodied guy. He came out, had an inning pitched, one hit, no runs. He had one walk and two strikeouts. But when he's facing lefties, it's just not going to be enjoyable to watch and try to pick up that ball out of his hand. He is just going to be an interesting look for those guys, and I think that makes him a guy that you keep seeing in these single-inning situations just right at the right moment in lineups. You're bringing in Haveman and seeing a lot of success for him. He's been really strong. I've enjoyed watching him play. This game didn't start until 8 p.m. Central Time, so it went pretty late into the night. I hung with it as long as I could. I actually did finish it, but I was kind of starting to snooze in the chair a little bit. But it was a fun one. Nice to see the Red Raiders kind of bounce back and do a few things out there at the plate and on the base paths. So on Wednesday, the game started at 3 o'clock Central Time, so I only got to listen to the last couple innings as I looked back through things and I paid attention as much as I could in my meetings at work. But San Diego State owned a 5 nothing lead going into the fifth inning. So Drew Baker came in and he had an RBI walk. Obviously, the bases were loaded there. So then he had an unearned run by Tanner Trimba on an error and then an RBI single by Gabe Holt improved things to 3-5. to five. Then in the sixth inning, Dylan Noisy hit a solo home run, making it four to five in favor of San Diego State. That's Noisy's third home run on the season. In the eighth, you had Noisy come back again with a two RBI double to left. That scored Brian Klein and Josh Young. And then you had an RBI sack fly by Cameron Warren to score Noisy. So all of a sudden, things are looking up. Drew Baker comes in, smacks an RBI single to right center field to score Otrimba. By the way, Mike Gustafson said that Otrimba's nickname is Bam Bam. I am 100% on board with calling him Bam Bam Otrimba. I think that's fantastic. I love it. I tweeted it at Jeff Haxton. I hope he likes it too. I think that one needs to stick. Bam Bam Otremba is an awesome nickname. So Drew Baker smacks an RBI single to right center to score Otremba. That ends the eighth, so Tech's up eight to five. Now then the Aztecs come and they score two on a single and a throwing error, and then they tie it on an RBI single to center field. And then an RBI triple puts the Aztecs up 9-8 at the end of the eighth. So the Red Raiders, they come in completely shut out 5 to nothing. They finally gain the lead 
in the eighth inning and then lose it again at the bottom of the eighth. So then you're thinking, my goodness, like what is the deal with this team having to come from behind all the time after this Frisco weekend? Is the offense going to be there? Are they going to step up? Well, let me just tell you, the Red Raiders did not go quietly into the night in San Diego. Max Marshock and Josh Young both ground out the top of the night. So with two outs, Brian Klein walks up and gives the Red Raiders a glimmer of hope with a walk. Then he advances to second on a wild pitch. So you got the tying run in scoring position. The Aztecs intentionally walk Dylan Noisy because your sophomore transfer from McLennan Community College is just too much for them to handle. It's nuts what Noisy's been doing for the Red Raiders. Tanner Trimba then guts out a painful hit-by-pitch to his wrist that basically had him writhing in pain. And then that juices the bases. So you got Klein at third, Noisy at second, Otrimba at first after an HBP. And then Cameron Warren steps up to the plate. He hammers a first pitch fastball deep to his favorite spot in left field. At Dan Lawfield at Rip Griffin Park, that would have been bouncing to the Marsha Sharp Center for kids who can't read good. A two-out, go-ahead, grand salami in the top of the ninth by Cameron Warren puts the Red Raiders up 12-9. to And then Hunter Dobbins, the 10th pitcher of the day for the Red Raiders, comes in and earns the save, and they complete the midweek sweep of San Diego State in just absolutely wild fashion. It was so much fun to listen to the end of that game extremely proud of those guys for continuing to battle. This is where those things start to come in, where they've been down, they're confident in what they're going to be able to do, and it's nice to see that they flushed the negative things that they experienced over the weekend. The weather in San Diego State was not perfect. It was a little chilly. Rain was threatening, so I don't think they were out there in sunshine and beauty, and that's the only time that they can produce. It wasn't fantastic out there, and they still gutted it out and got the W. So that's really exciting. You had Cameron Warren and Dylan Noisy, both with home runs on the day. So Noisy went two for two with four runs scored, three RBI, three walks, two stolen bases for good measure. Dylan Noisy is leading the Red Raiders with a slash line of 400, 825, and 520. He's leading in batting average, slugging percentage, and on-base percentage. It's absolutely unbelievable what Dylan Noisy's been doing. In this Wednesday game against San Diego State, that had him hitting safely in 10 of his 11 games as a Red Raider. He's tied for the team lead in home runs with Cameron Warren with three. He recorded his fourth double of the year. He's got his sixth multi-RBI game of the season, and this was a career high for him with four runs scored and two stolen bases. Just unbelievable seeing him come in and make such an impact so quickly for Texas Tech. What a great, great find for J. Bob Thomas. What a great player to have on campus. Cameron Warren went one for two with two runs scored, five RBI, and a walk. That was Cam's first grand slam of his career. A lot of fun to hear him do that, at least on the radio. He's tied for the team lead, as I said, with Noisy with three home runs, and it's the second time this season he's driven in a game-winning RBI. Brian Klein went one for three with two runs scored and two walks. He reached base seven times over the two games with San Diego State. That's definitely, definitely nice to have from Brian Klein in the middle of that lineup. Drew Baker, one for three, two runs scored, two RBI, and two walks. A good day for him. And Gabe Holt, one for five with an RBI and a stolen base. Gabe Holt has reached safely 26 games in a row. Absolutely impressive 
for Gabe Holt. Just so excited to continue watching him do what he does. Gabe is also fourth in the nation in stolen bases per game and 10th overall in stolen bases. I think you're going to see that continue to improve. Obviously, Gabe is very fast on the base paths, and he's smart out there. I love watching him work batters. He knows they're paying attention to him. It's just a lot of fun to see him out there. He's a smart runner. It's very rare you see him get picked off. When you do, there may have been miscommunication, but it's very rarely going to be something that's that he's to blame for. So just love watching him work out there. Excited to see him continue his base-stealing prowess. It does so much to affect the game. As soon as he's on base, pitchers are distracted. They know he's going. They know he's going to go sooner or later, and more than likely he's going to get there. And Josh Young went two for five with a run scored. Now, I think all of us could probably admit that Josh Young is not having an unbelievable season. He's having a pretty good season. He's hitting 333. His slugging percentage is a 422. He's not been terrible by any means. He's got ARBI. He's just not been the monster, you know, that I think that he was hyped up to be. That's not a negative against him. It's just baseball. And I think you'll see him come on stronger and stronger. But it was a good day for Josh Young. It was a good series for him all the way around. He did have a team-leading sixth multi-hit game of the season. So definitely something nice to see for him. Now, from the pitching standpoint, Trey Garlett from Lubbock Cooper got the start today. Now, that was his first start. It's his freshman season. This was his third appearance of the season, but his first start. He went one inning pitched. He had two runs and three hits. But the numbers weren't really the story for pitchers today, at least not the box score numbers. Pitchers came in absolutely nonstop for the Red Raiders today. They used a season-high 10 arms on the day. I'm not going to go through all of their stats for you, but I will read down the list. Trey Garland had an inning pitch. John McMillan had two and a third. Ryan Cassie did not record an out, but he was in for an at-bat. Kurt Wilson went two and two-thirds. I will mention him. He allowed one hit, no runs. He had one walk, one strikeout, faced nine batters. It was a solid outing for Kurt Wilson. Dane Haveman did not record an out, faced a batter allowed one hit. Ryan Sublette went for a third of an inning, had two walks. Caleb Freeman went two-thirds of an inning, faced two batters. Mason Montgomery went a third of an inning. Taylor Floyd, who actually ended up getting the win, he's two and one now and also has a save. He went two-thirds. He allowed three hits, two runs, had no walks, no strikeouts, and didn't hit anybody. And then Hunter Dobbins came in, your 10th pitcher on the day. He earned the save with one inning pitched. He allowed one hit, no runs, one walk, had one strikeout, faced four batters. So all in all, just a wild day of pitching. Johnny Bullpen was in full effect for the Red Raiders. With a two-game midweek, you certainly can't blame Tim Tadlock. The only pitcher that went over 40 pitches was John McMillan. Kurt Wilson had 39. He had the longest outing of the day from an innings pitch standpoint. But overall, no one even got close other than those two to a bullpen session. So all of those guys should be available for the weekend. And that's exactly the point. You wanted to use a lot of arms, mix it up. Not only do they get experience and time out there getting some innings pitched under their belt, but you also keep them available for a weekend series. And you never know how that's going to go. So with a two-game midweek, this is a lot of times how your Wednesday game has to go so that you can reserve arms for the weekend series, which end up being not only more important to get that three-game sweep, but also when you're looking at national services and rankings and all those kinds of things, they just value weekend series more than they do midweek series. 
Obviously, some positives here. San Diego State, we talked about them in the preview in the Monday episode. You know, not the worst team ever, ever not the best. Definitely nice to come in against some pretty solid pitching on Tuesday and really show some positive work. And then to come in and get another come from behind from the Red Raiders for Wednesday was was solid as well. It's nice to see the offense come back. However, there are definitely some concerns here. Cameron Warren is batting a two forty three on the season. Now, I know it seems silly to complain about Cam. He just hit a grand slam to go ahead and get a win for the team, but... 243 is not where we expected him to be. He's generally been a better hitter than that. He definitely hits with power. He is the other Red Raider now, with along with Noisy, with three home runs. But surprising to see a 243. He's struggled a little bit. I think it's time for him to, to move out of that slump. I think he will. I mean, it's just baseball. That's kind of how it goes. But definitely want to see him get better. DH has also been a question as well. You saw Doug Facindo in there quite a bit. He tapered off. He's He's been batting 235. He did get an opportunity today and didn't get to do much with it. You hadn't seen him a whole lot in the last few games. So you've seen a Tanner Trimba in there a fair amount. He's batting 250. He's got 10 RBI. It's not terrible, but you would certainly like to see somebody that's a deep threat. You need that person to emerge. You're ready for that Zach Reams type person to emerge that's a deep threat every time they're out there, that people feel like they need to pitch around even. You want somebody like that to emerge, and you just haven't quite seen it yet. Max Marshock is another concern for me, and I don't mean his play. He's a freshman. It takes time for him to figure things out, to learn his pitches, to understand what he can and can't hit, but he really is struggling. He's got a slash line of 136, 136, 200 right now. Now, I am, again, I am not bashing the young man. He is fast as lightning. He's very talented. But there's a lot to learn. There's a big learning curve from the Amarillo Sandys to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I think everybody understands that. My fear is, my concern is that he's going to get frustrated. And I don't want him to do that by any means. I don't want him to get in a situation where he's frustrated he's not playing yet and he starts thinking about making moves. I want him to stay. Stay, learn, grow with this team, experience success. Trust in this coaching staff that the opportunities will come when you're ready for them because you've seen guys over and over and over in the Tim Tadlock era that have gotten opportunities when their time is right, when they're ready to contribute, and they have been very successful when those opportunities have arisen. So I hope that he will stick with things and not get frustrated. It just takes some time. It doesn't matter how talented you are. There are very few players that can walk in as a freshman, particularly in a middle outfield position, and really be able to make that immediate impact. Sometimes it just takes some time to see some pitches, see some pitchers, get some experience, get used to the way all of it works, and that that time will come. So I hope he can be patient with that because I do believe that he has a really bright future as a Red Raider. I'm also a little bit concerned that Texas Tech has been overhyped this season. And I don't mean that they're not deserving of some of the rankings they got. I think they're legitimately one of the deepest, most talented teams in the country, possibly the most talented team in the country. Their bullpen is fantastic. The starting pitching has a potential to be absolutely unbelievable. And I believe everything will continue to gel and grow through the season. I mean, remember, you don't need to win the first 56 games. You don't need to win every single one of them back to back. You need to steadily grow and get better and get better and do what you're seeing Texas Tech basketball do, which is peak at a really opportune time. And that's certainly what you want this baseball team to do. 
I just think that there's a potential. There was just too much coverage, too much hype around it. I think the athletic department owns a piece of that as far as what they're hyping, who they're hyping, how they're building it. I would love to see them in the future really push the team and not focus so much on single names, single stars. I think it's distracting for a team, and I think the players probably don't want it. I think players, particularly ones that are getting a lot of hype and credit, those are the kind of players that don't want that attention. They want to work. They want to make a name. They want their stats to be great. They want to contribute to team success. That'll tell their story. So I hope that they consider in the future not buying into the hype train the same way, but pushing it as a team aspect, pushing the Red Raiders forward, not individual names, because I think that might have hurt this team a little bit early on. It it just mounts pressure on individual players, and then they may be performing well, but it's not up to some heightened, hyped expectation, and then you wonder what they're doing. So let's look ahead to the Wichita State Shockers. They're coming to Lubbock, Texas this weekend. Should be a good series. The Shockers are 5-5 five and five on the season. They split a two-game with Grand Canyon. They lost a one-run game to number 5 Stanford. They split a two-game with Stephen F. Austin and UT Arlington, one of those games going to extras, and they swept Creighton. So they're a team that's seen some ups and downs this season, have played really one elite team, and came really close to to beating them. Now, Grand Canyon is a solid team. They're nothing to complain about either. That's not bad competition. So the Shockers will be in town this Friday through Sunday, March 8th through 10th. The Friday game will be at 6.30, Saturday at 2 o'clock, Sunday at 1 o'clock. That Friday game, you can see it on Fox Sports Southwest Plus. The Saturday game will be on Texas Tech TV, and then the Sunday game on Fox Sports Southwest. So nice to get some TV coverage there. Now, you may not be aware, Wichita State is one of the most storied programs in college baseball. So once again, the Red Raiders playing a team similar to Mississippi State with an incredibly deep and rich history of college baseball success. So they have 20 conference titles since 1985. They have 18 conference tournament titles since 1980. They have 28 NCAA tournament appearances since 1980. Unfortunately, the most recent of those was in 2013. So the Shockers have been down a little bit the last few years. They have seven berths in the College World Series between 1982 and 1996. And they did win the College World Series championship in 1989. Last season, the Shockers were 35-21-1. They went 9-14-1 in the American Athletic Conference where they compete. Their RPI finished out at a 53, strength of schedule 89. Their final rank was a 49. They did not make the NCAA tournament. So, as I said, just an incredibly storied program. But not making the postseason since 2013 makes me wonder if they're going to start considering coaching changes soon. They Even then, in 2013, they had some wins vacated by the NCAA. Their coach, Todd Butler, is in his sixth season this year. They were really built to win in 2018. They burst out of the gates going on a 19-4 run. And then after a midweek win over Oklahoma State, they were 23-7 and as late as April 10th. But then they lost four weekend series in a row, and they missed the tournament for the fifth straight season under Todd Butler. I mean, I just don't know what else there is to say about them. Last season was their year, and it didn't work out. This season, they definitely don't seem as loaded. So it's just maybe another kind of middling year for the Shockers. They still carry the cachet of their name, an interesting mascot to say the least, but not exactly sure what we're going to see from them. 
They did post a solid pitching performance in 2018. They had a team ERA of 391. They had 513 strikeouts and a whip of 133. That was 59, 46, and 58 in the country. Preston Snavely figured to be a strong bullpen guy for them this year, but he's ended up being their Friday starter. He leads the team with 17 and two-thirds innings pitched, but he has a 509 ERA, and he's allowing a 286 batting average to opposing batters. Clayton McGinnis has handled the Saturday starting duties, but with a 514 ERA and only 14 innings pitched, and he's allowing a 328 batting average, we may not see him or may see a shakeup in that starting rotation. Eddie Liam and Tommy Barnhouse have alternated in third game and Sunday starting duties. Liam has a 165 ERA in 16 and a third innings pitch. He has the best whip on the staff at a 112. And then Barnhouse has a 450 ERA with 10 innings pitched. In 2018, the Shockers only batted a 289 as a team, and they were anchored by the number three overall pick in the MLB draft, Alec Baum, and second round pick Grayson Janista. Their senior second baseman, Luke Ritter, is a big piece for them. He's leading the team with a slash line of 444, 722, 592. He leads the team in hits, runs scored, home runs, and is tied at the top for RBI. He has really been an invaluable piece for them. He is undoubtedly their offensive leader, but after him, there's a pretty steep drop-off. They were counting on sophomore third baseman Paxton Wallace and junior Alex Jackson to carry a big load, but they're both struggling, batting 237 and 211 respectively, and they're kind of in the middle of the rankings as far as the Shockers' offensive production goes. So I think that when we see this team coming in, this is a very, very winnable series for the Red Raiders. The sweep should not be out of the question. Their pitching has not looked particularly strong against reasonably normal competition. They will probably be able to put something together on Friday, but I would imagine Saturday and Sunday to not be exceptionally strong. I also just don't see their bats having the pop in them to make a huge difference. As long as Texas Tech starting and relief pitching is sharp and isn't putting a lot of guys on base and giving free passes, I think that you'll see the Red Raiders handle the Shockers pretty well. One other note on the Shockers, when you just look through their rankings, there is no category offensively, really of any kind, that they're anywhere close to a lead-in. They're ranked below 100 in almost every offensive category. Some things like walks are even lower. They're ranked 200. Their strikeouts per nine from a pitching standpoint is 280th. They're just not really putting a lot together. They also commit a ton of errors. They're 269th in the country in fielding percentage. They do turn a fair number of double plays. They're ranked 43rd in double plays, 32nd in double plays per game. But other than that, there's really not a lot. Their whip is ranked 201st. Their strikeout-to-walk ratio is 255th. Just not a super strong team right now. I just would be surprised if the Red Raiders don't handle them easily, especially at home. And just to kind of catch you up on where Texas Tech stands, the Red Raiders are now 8-3 and three on the season. They've won two in a row with the two San Diego State games. They're 6-1 and one at home. They're 2-0 and oh on the road, and they're 0-2 oh on neutral sites. So although Frisco felt pretty terrible, when you look at the Red Raiders' season, it looks pretty good right now. And very, very incredibly early silly RPIs have been coming out this week. Not the official NCAA, but you have Texas Tech at the top of a lot of those pseudo-RPIs and fake RPIs and 
things like that. That doesn't mean anything right now, but I think it does at least to some extent indicate the Red Raiders have been playing some really quality competition. The Oregon series win is going to end up being more and more valuable as the year goes on. I believe Oregon will continue to be a strong team. I think Kentucky will continue to be a fairly strong team. I think you're going to see Mississippi State be a strong team. Nebraska will probably be a little bit better than was expected as well. So I don't think there's anything in those current series wins or even losses that are going to hurt the Red Raiders, especially those that were on the road. Those will help RPI when it's all said and done. Well, that should be it for me, everybody. I enjoyed getting to listen to these Red Raiders play the San Diego State Aztecs in a two-game midweek. Enjoyed looking ahead to the Wichita State Shockers. Going to be at as many of those games as I can. Want to wish a happy birthday to my little daughter, Emerson. She's turning two tomorrow on Thursday. I'm recording this on Wednesday night, celebrating her second birthday this weekend. Excited to do that and see a little bit of family. We'll be traveling a little bit for spring break, but I'll be in your feed next week. Looking back to this Wichita State season, Series, and there won't be a midweek next week during spring break, but we'll be looking ahead to the number 12 Texas Longhorns. They are 11 and 3 on the season and looking pretty hot. So we'll look at them, and the Red Raiders will be facing them next weekend at Dishfalk Field in Austin, Texas. I've been your host, Keith Patrick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Dinger Derby. As always, I appreciate you so much for listening to the show. Please go rate and review us on iTunes. Tell your friends about the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby. I'm at Keith B. Patrick. You can find us on Facebook, Dinger Derby Podcast. Please tell your friends, share our social media posts, help get the word out about this show. I hope you're enjoying it. As always, I love interacting with you on social media. Please feel free to send me messages or at me anytime. If I don't see you at the ballpark this weekend, until our next show, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck them, Tech. Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me